It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to a Wednesday hump day. Wednesday, made it to June, by the way. June 1st. Welcome to the summer. It's hot. It's hot out. It's gorgeous out. Going to rain later today, but it's hot out. That's your weather report. Welcome to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline is open, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. The Thornton's text line is open as well, as always, 24-7, 502-414-1450. Don't forget Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like fresh coffee and delicious donuts. Visit my friends at Thornton's. By the way, tomorrow, Thursday, my last show of the week will be Movie Thursday, as it is all summer long. Tomorrow, dedicated to the greatest basketball movies of all time. I've had great response from my uh, text that I sent out to a number of people. But you can join in as well for the next 24 hours, or about 23, let's be honest. I'm not going to do it from 11 to 12 tomorrow. But for the next 23 hours, you can send me your top three basketball movies. Be inclusive. This is an inclusive show. Come on in. Stay a while. I want your opinion. Best basketball movies of all time. The top vote-getters will be released tomorrow. I think we all know who's going to win. I'm not going to say it. But based on the text I've got, there are a lot more options for second and third place than I thought there would be. There are a bunch, matter of fact. I, now, there are more baseball movies. I get that. But there are plenty of basketball movies that I had, quite frankly, either never seen or forgotten about. I might have to watch a couple tonight that I haven't seen in years or that I've never seen because uh, there's some, been some great suggestions. So you can get involved, too. Send me your favorite top three basketball movies of all time and just text them to the show, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line, and I will add those to the list. They will be included in the voting. Your number one movie gets three points. Your number two movie gets two points. Your number one movie gets – number three movie gets one point. I knew I was going to screw that up. Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, will join me in about 15 minutes. We'll talk NBA Finals. They start tomorrow, Golden State and Boston in San Francisco. Golden State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in game one. We'll break that down. Uh, and Rob also covers the White Sox. What's wrong with the White Sox? They're a game under 500. They're in second place in the American League Central. By the way, I picked Minnesota to win the AL Central, and they are on pace to do exactly that. But uh, we'll talk about that. Will uh, Zach Levine be back with the Bulls next year? What does uh, Rob think of the new hire, Darvin Ham, of the, as the Lakers coach? He is zoned in on the NBA scene, and uh, we'll get Rob's opinions on the eve of the NBA Finals. The big local news, I guess, I guess it's big news, is uh, Shaden Sharp. By the way, we'll get to golf. Shaden Sharp is going to stay in the NBA draft. The, I guess, Kentucky slash non-Kentucky basketball player. He didn't play a, a, a second of uh, college basketball. Was Kentucky duped? Yes. Did we see this coming pretty much the whole way? 
I kind of think we did. I kind of think we did. Um, and will Cal fall for this again? That's the question. Uh, this young man, you got a lot of you got a lot of people around you. That is any five star athlete nowadays. You got a lot of people in your ear telling you different things. Go here, do this, work out with this guy. Put your name in the draft. Don't put your name in the draft. Get in the transfer portal. Your your skills will be appreciated better elsewhere. There are a whole lot of things going through a young five-star athlete's brain right now, coming in one ear, out the other, in that ear, out into the brain. It stays in the back. It goes to the front. I don't know how these kids make a decision anymore. In fact, the truth of the matter most of the time is the kids aren't the ones making the decision. And according to all reports, Shaden Sharp's family was telling John Calipari as recently as two weeks ago, there's a chance he'll come back and play next year. When in reality, I think if we all took our blue glasses off, no offense, Big Blue Nation, and put regular clear glasses, maybe some cheaters on that you could see with, without the hint of blue, without the tint of blue, you would have quickly come to the conclusion that this kid's not going to play. He's not going to play at Kentucky. He knows he's a top 20 draft pick. He knows he's probably a lottery pick. It is better sometimes to have the mystery of how good a kid can be than to have the actual facts of how good a kid really has played. And this young man, again, played in the AAU leagues or whatever you want to call them now, the the uh, travel ball. He left school early, left high school early, didn't play his senior year so he could get on campus, get ready, and help the Kentucky Wildcats. And maybe he did help them in practice. But if you're a Wildcat fan today, or as I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we sort of had the reality kick setting in, you have to be pretty disappointed that this – power forward slash shooting forward took up so much of your time and energy. And you also have to wonder what would have happened on that night in Indianapolis when St. Peter's, the 15 seed, pulled off one of the biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history, one of the probably top 10 upsets in tournament history. What would have happened? What could have happened had this kid just played? Had John Calipari just said, look, you're going to play. You're, you're going to play or we got, we got no use for you. Did John Calipari really believe that Shaden Sharp was going to come back and play next year? Well, you have to listen to the family. You have to listen to the parents who have, have said all along, legitimate chance he's coming back. Oh, at the beginning, yes, he'll be back next year. Yes, he wants to get on campus. He wants to practice and uh, he wants to get in, in, ingrained with the team for next season. Okay, it sounds good. He's projected all along as a lottery draft pick. And I've said this numerous times on the show. If you're a lottery pick, you don't come back. Period. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're playing. If you're a lottery pick, you don't come back because you're going to make a lot of money. Now, things have changed in the world of NIL. Things are certainly different in the world of name, image, and likeness because guys can go to college right now and make a whole lot of money, make a whole lot of money. They can play three years and make as much as they can make in the NBA. 
theoretically, because there are no restrictions on NIL. I know the SEC is having meetings this weekend or this week, and the topic has been brought up. How do we regulate what these kids can make? How do we put a salary cap on it? It can't happen. Antitrust laws are not going to let it happen. The toothpaste is out of the tube, and you can't put it back in. You can try. The SEC can say, okay, we're going to have a limit on how much these kids can make, and then uh, one booster is going to get one of his attorneys, and they're going to sue the NCAA or the SEC, and they're going to win, and this is all a moot point. And now these kids can make a lot of money. They can get a lot of gifts to hang around and play basketball. They've been doing it forever. Now it's just above the table, not underneath the table. But if you're Big Blue Nation, this one hurts a little bit. Ennis Cantor was a different situation. The NCAA wouldn't let him play. He sat for an entire season, and then he went to the NBA, as he should have. But that wasn't Kentucky's decision. That wasn't the player's decision. He wanted to play. Hamadou Diallo came in and sat and didn't play. Same situation. Got there in January, but he played the following year. He said he was going to stay, and he did stay. John Calipari, I think, had the same thought in mind here. This kid is Hamadou Diallo. He's going to work out with us. He's going to practice. He's going to make the team better in practice because he's so good. And then he's going to come back next year and be the star of another star-studded team. Not going to happen. And the message boards and the tweets for the last month and the texts, yeah, all the all the messages from fans saying, oh, he's coming back. Oh, he, I, what are the chances he's coming there was no chance he was coming back. And if you take off your blue goggles for a second, you'll see that. All evidence led, other than his parents saying he could, he very well may come back, all other evidence led to him going to the NBA draft. I don't like spending a lot of time on this. I don't. This is sort of a, it's, a, it's, it's different, but I talk about this all the time. Louisville just got a football commitment from a high schooler in California, another high schooler in California for a 2023 class. I didn't talk about it yesterday. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Commitments don't matter. Letters of intent matter, but verbal commitments do nothing for me. They don't. Pierce Clarkson when he committed, it was a big deal. Didn't matter to me. Now, this kid, um, and I've, I've misplaced his name, is a wide receiver, listed as an athlete, of course, because they're all listed as athletes. All these five-star guys are athletes now. But he is the highest-rated commit, out-of-state commit in Louisville football history. There are only two guys higher rated than this kid, they were Michael Bush and Brian Brom, and they were both in the city of Louisville. This is the highest-rated out-of-state player to ever commit to the University of Louisville in football. It doesn't matter. Sign the letter of intent, get that uniform on, then I'll pay attention. Then I'll pay attention. Shaden Sharp came to Kentucky 
He put the uniform on. I was at, at games where he was working out in the pregame, getting some work done with an assistant coach during the pregame, two hours before the game, getting shots up, getting his blood boiling, doing rebound drills, doing ball handling drills, and he looked great. Now, he was shooting wide open shots with a manager passing him a basketball. A lot of guys can do that, but he looked the part in these in these uh, workouts. And at that time, when as I watched a workout, sitting with other members of the media, I would say this kid's never going to play at Kentucky, never going to play at Kentucky, unless he plays this season, unless they change their mind and Cal says, okay, he can help us now. Please help us now. You had the injury to Ty Ty Washington. You had. Uh, Severe Wheeler banged up for a little while as well. Toppin was hurt for part of the season. Change your mind and say, hey, help us now. Without that being the case, I said, he's never going to play Kentucky. He's going to the NBA. Look at him. He looks the part. His The eye test, he passes. Even though it's one-on-none drills, he is the picture of an NBA player. If you're sketching an NBA player, this is what you're sketching. I don't think he's going to be great at the next level. There are a lot of things he can do. But in the middle of the season last year, I was telling people, anybody who would listen, which was very few people, and I don't blame you for not listening to me, this kid is not going to play at Kentucky next season. And we found out yesterday, 100%, that's the case. But if we take off our blue glasses, you, you should have seen it a long time ago. All right, a lot to get to today. Um, I'm going to delve into this a little bit later in the show, but the, live, the first Live Golf Tournament, which that is the new uh, PGA for overseas Saudi Arabia money-backed, the field is out. Came out yesterday. The biggest surprise was Dustin Johnson in this field. Now, the first tournament is this month. Uh, I think it's next week, not this weekend, but the following week in uh, near London, England. Now, what you don't know about the Live Tour is Greg Norman is basically the commissioner. He's the face of the tour. Jack Nicholas, by the way, was asked to be the face of this tour. He was offered $100 million. And he said, I can't do it. I don't know how much money Greg Norman's getting, but he is the face of the Live Tour, L-I-V. I thought it was a Roman numeral at first. I thought, why are they calling this the 54 Tour? Is this like a Super Bowl? No, it's Live, L-I-V. Um, the first tournament will be outside of London. There are tournaments in Miami, Portland, Chicago, and one other American city that I cannot remember. And four other tournaments. One in Thailand, two in Saudi Arabia, and the first one will be just outside London coming up next week. The PGA has told their players, and they brought a, made a statement this, after, this morning, as a matter of fact, after the field came out, that uh, these players are subject to discipline now. now. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to get to that uh, in the final segment because Dustin Johnson's going to play. Sergio Garcia is going to play. Lee Westwood is going to play. Uh, Americans Kevin Na, Taylor Gooch, they're going to play. 
Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter. It's a format of four-man teams, and there is a whole lot of money to make in this uh, new competitor, I guess you would say, to the PGA Tour. All right, Rob Schaefer, CBS, or MB, wow, I don't want to say it wrong, NBC Sports Chicago will uh, join me after the break. We'll talk about the NBA Finals, and uh, I think Rob covers the White Sox in Chicago as well. We'll talk some baseball also. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline is open, 384-1450, 502-384-1450. Join in on the conversation. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Download Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Boy, we really need savings on fuel nowadays. So download that Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Ohio, the state of Ohio announced they are launching sports betting on January 1st. Another day to be embarrassed to be a Kentuckian. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. But that's how I feel. Uh, let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline. Bring in Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. Rob, how are you doing this morning? For you, I guess, afternoon for me. How you doing? I'm great, John. It's uh, it's good to hear from you again. Uh, just gearing up for the uh, for the NBA Finals as, as yeah. an NBA watcher and and the draft as as a Bulls reporter. Unfortunately. All right, let's start with the NBA Finals. Uh, Boston, Golden State. Golden State's a fairly significant favorite to win this series. I know they got home court uh, to start out here. Um, are we overlooking a really talented Boston team here? Is is Vegas right on this one? Uh, you could argue, I guess, that they're overlooking um, kind of the, the degree to which the Celtics team has not only been a contender throughout these playoffs, but also since really the calendar flipped in 2022. They've yeah. had the best record in the league, best defense in the league, uh, one of the top-rated offenses. But it's, it's hard to really overlook the championship experience that this Warriors core obviously has. And I think when you look at the series, I mean, it's pretty clear it's going to go six or seven. It's going to be back and forth. These are the two best defensive teams in the league. But the thing that makes me skew probably in Golden State's direction, if I had to lean one way or the other, is one thing you mentioned, the, the home court advantage. That's one of the best home court advantages in the NBA, um, Golden State's. And also the fact that these are the two best defensive teams in the league. But, you know, while Boston's offense has been pretty inconsistent, that's been a, that's been a theme even, even as they pulled out series over the Bucks and the Heat. They've had stretches where they haven't really been able to score. Yeah. The Warriors have more offensive firepower than anybody. So, I'm not surprised that they're a heavy favorite, but I certainly think this is a series that either team can win. It, it just makes sense that uh, that more betters are, are leaning towards Golden State as of now. Um, Boston's played Miami. They didn't want to run up and down the court at, at a huge, enormous, fast pace. Same with Milwaukee, especially with Chris Middleton out. Celtics are going to see a different animal. I know Golden State can play in the half court, but, boy, they they like to get up and down, right? Yeah, and that's the thing about Boston. They do, too, because when, they're, when they get stuck in the half court, they can get stuck in the mud uh, a little bit, too, especially when you bring double teams at Tatum and Brown. You know, the, the supporting players around them can be, can be hot. They can be cold. Um, but that's why I think this is just going to be such an entertaining series. Both of these teams are going to want to get out and run. Uh, they're both high IQ teams. Uh, they're teams that, uh, that really lock in defensively and are going to do a good job of taking away some of the pet actions and things that, that each other like to do. Uh, but ultimately, you know, as good of a transition team as Boston is, 
that style is inevitably going to favor Golden State when you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, now Jordan Poole running the wings, uh, Draymond Green facilitating in the middle of the floor. Um, you know, I could see how that style would favor Golden State, but I do think ultimately it's going to be some back and forth. And that's part of what's just going to make this, uh, you know, I, I think and I hope one of the more entertaining finals that we've yeah. seen, you know, in the last half decade. Steph Curry, is this a, a legacy series for him? Is this a series that if they win, if he wins a finals MVP, all of a sudden, et cetera, is he, is he already set? Because he changed the game. To me, he said uh, he changed the game. Uh, I think he could look back. I think the biggest thing that gets brought up with him, right, is not having that finals MVP. But what I think he's already proven with this run is that he is the embodiment of the dynasty in Golden State. He's the person that this is all built around. His gravity in terms of the defensive attention he draws opens up so much for guys like Clay, guys like Andrew Wiggins. I mean, look at the success that he's had after flaming out in Minnesota. Yeah. Down to guys like Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Poole. So I think the fact that he has already re-reached this pinnacle, you know, after this kind of two-year hiatus they had where they struggled with injuries before, you know, say, you know, people who credited Kevin Durant for those two titles in the middle, he went to Brooklyn, and what, what, what have they done? They haven't been out of the second round in these last two years, um, whereas Steph Curry and the Warriors have, have made it back to the finals. So for me, he was valid in my eyes, regardless. Um, the finals run in general uh, has cemented that. Now, does a fourth ring and a finals MVP cement him even further maybe it puts him in kind of the top 10 to 12 players of all time discussion as opposed to surefire hall surefire hall of famer in top 20 maybe uh but to me you know him and lebron being the two faces and the two defining players of this generation has has long been cemented all right when we start talking top 10 my blood boils a little bit because i'm one i'm an old guy i'll give you that Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. who do we kick out of the top 10 if steph's gonna get in i mean that's 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 the problem right it's brutal it's brutal yeah, you got you got to have MJ, you got to have LeBron, you got to yep. have Kareem, Russell, Bird, Magic, uh, probably Duncan, Jim Shaq. Duncan, yeah. Um, then, like you said, you start getting into the the Oscar Robinson, the, the uh, Robertson, the the Hakeem Olajuwon. Did you mention Kobe? Kobe? Kobe, yeah. Yep, I think Kobe would would be a lot of people's picks, but he, you know, even with a fourth rank, Steph would be one short um, of him, and and you know, for everything that Steph did to change the game with the three point revolution. Kobe did a lot to inspire this generation, too. I mean, you look at, um, you know, the influence that guys like Jason Tatum have taken from him. Like, you could argue he changed the landscape of the sport as well. So, that's why I hedge. I say 12 to 50. I always like to do ranges instead of a set (laughs) number because it it is hard to kick a guy out of the club. But um, certainly he's in legendary, you know, a legendary tier to even be in the conversation with those guys. Uh, And Larry Bird won two finals MVPs, three titles, but he only played 10 years because of injuries. So, I mean – Longevity is is a factor when you're talking about this stuff, right? Yeah, and as a guy who grew up in the New England area, that's like the biggest thing that gets talked about. Like, what if what if Larry Bird had come up in the generation where, you know, athletes have all these resources to, you know, maintain their bodies over time? You get guys like LeBron and Chris Paul, you know, on the women's side, Sue Bird playing into their late 30s and 40s. You know, Tom Brady in the NFL. Like, you know, would, would those foot foot issues that Larry Bird the back, like, would would that have been mitigated playing in a different era? Maybe. Um, but you can't take away from what he did in such a short period of time. There's, there's an impressive element to that, too. Load management, too. Crazy. Um, That's it. Talking, talking to Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, covering uh, the Bulls. The, I think the White Sox. Am I right about that? You are, uh, are yeah, you on, uh, on occasion. Now? I've been filling in, and I have not, I've not brought much good luck for the, uh, for the White Sox, unfortunately. <laughs> Full <laughs> disclosure, really I picked year. the Twins to win the Central in the preseason. Full disclosure. They yeah, look I, good. I mean – that looks like a good pick right now. That yeah, looks like a good early. pick right now. We're only a third of the way in. 
Um, mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, how close to 100% do you think he is? Because he, is, he was spectacular in the last couple series. Yeah, I think that game five against Dallas really shows you uh, the level that he's kind of re-reached. And to me, you know, obviously there's a physical element of, of missing two years and having multiple lower body injuries that were pretty debilitating. So I think for a lot of the regular season and, and the postseason that, that Clay returned for, getting that physical element back w- was key. But I think there was also like a mental game planning adjustment that he had to make as well. Because, you know, coming back into this group, core is the same, but, you know, the, the ancillary pieces, you know, this is kind of a different team than the last Warriors team we've seen, uh, you know, make the final stage. And primarily with a guy like Jordan Poole, who's now running the wings with him and Steph, you know, I think there were usage things that they had to work out there. Now they've got Poole coming off the bench uh, with Looney starting in the front court with Draymond. That's, that's a lineup that's been pretty effective for them the last few series. Uh, and, it, you know, it seems like we're at least at 80 to 90 percent uh, of prime clay. I mean, I really think the last step for him is going to be defensively getting back to the level that he once was. We'll see if he's able to do that. Uh, but at this point, you know, he's clearly back to being that guy that can swing uh, playoff games uh, playing off of Steph Curry, which is uh, what he was at his height. We talk about super teams all the time. These guys try to get together, whether it's LeBron and Dwayne Wade in Miami, Kevin Durant joining the Warriors, Kyrie and Durant and well, Kyrie was a Celtic, and uh, Durant was a mm-hmm. Warrior, and they're both sitting in Brooklyn watching two teams that actually were built, for the most part, through the draft. Uh, yeah. is, this, that, is this refreshing? I think so. I mean, and I, you know, listen to Eric Spolstra, who talked after uh, the Game 7 loss to the Celtics. He basically said um, you know, that one of his favorite things about that team is that they were built, quote-unquote, the right way. And you look up and down the rotation, Jason Tatum drafted and developed, Jalen Brown drafted and developed, uh, Marcus Smart drafted and developed, uh, Horford was a free agent signing, but has been around and kind of, um, you know, grown with the group. Robert Williams drafted, Grant Williams drafted, Peyton Pritchard drafted, um, Derek White. They obviously just traded for using using a couple draft picks, but you know, the, building through the draft one, I think is uh, is is a refreshing way to build a championship contender. But the other thing, and I think this applies to the Warriors as well, even though you have to go back a couple years to remember it. But you know, this Celtics team, you know, this core of Smart, Brown, Tatum. Uh, Horford, to a degree, has been through a lot of unsuccessful playoff runs. Yes. They've gotten to the conference finals a couple times. They've been out in the second round a couple times. There were questions of, you know, should we break this 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 star tandem up? Um, but to weather that adversity and grow as a group and kind of reach, you know, get over that hump, to me, that's one of the best parts of sports, and it's one of the things that has been mitigated by, you know, the super team era. Um, so I don't know if a season like this where you see two teams that were kind of homegrown make it all the way. I don't know if that changes the broader landscape of the league because star players are going to do what they do. Uh, but it certainly, for me, is, uh, is definitely a refreshing dynamic of these finals. Um, talking to Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. Um, talk to me about the Celtics' size. Is that go- How big of an issue is that going to be for Golden State? Because it's a, there's a big difference here. I think that's the way they swing the series. I mean, that's, it's, it's what's made them one of the better defensive teams of the postseason and certainly the best, you know, defensive team in the league going back to, to January. It's not only the size, you know, when you have Tatum who's listed at six eight, but I think it's probably closer to six ten. Brown six six, six seven. Horford can switch out on the perimeter, but he's, you know, six ten, six eleven. Uh Robert Williams, you know, pretty mobile uh, and obviously a great vertical athlete and, you know, nearly seven feet tall. Their ability to, you know, switch and be defensively versatile and get out on the perimeter. Um, really on both ends of the floor, uh, you know, is what makes them so formidable. It's that combination of, you know, speed, IQ, uh, and that size. Whereas 
the Warriors, you know, are, are more of a kind of speed oriented team. Like we mentioned, they, they want to get out in transition. They want to shoot. Um, they, they, they want to get downhill and drive and get in the paint, but it might be difficult against the kind of trees that the Celtics can present from a size perspective. So I think that's the one thing that can potentially give Golden State trouble if the Celtics can scheme it up the right way. Uh, but at the end of the day, the chemistry that guys like Steph and Clay and Draymond have after so many years of playing together, they'll find the nooks and crannies in that defense and, and find ways to work around it. Um, it's, you know, it could just be a series where it's a matter of, um, you know, whether jump shots are made or missed. You got Steve Kerr against the Ime Udoka on the bench. Um, Boston fans were scratching their heads a year ago when Brad Stevens went to the front office, replaced Danny Ainge, and they, who, who's this guy we brought in? But he might be a star in the league now. Totally. And he was, you know, he was actually um, somebody that the Bulls interviewed before Billy Donovan came available. And I, I don't think the Bulls are upset with that decision by any means. But, right. um, you know, I had looked into Udoka's background a little bit a few years ago, and I really, really liked him as a candidate for the Bulls. Um, obviously, things got off to a little bit of a rocky start with the Celtics, and there was, there was talk of, oh, you know, he's challenging players too much. Guys aren't going to respond to that. But when you look at how tough this Celtics team is to have weathered all they have in the postseason, like that's, that's where that comes from, um, that kind of you know, brutal honesty. Um, they've clearly responded to that. Uh, and what's also obvious about Udoka watching the way that this team has developed over the course of the year is that he's really a brilliant defensive mind. Um, like he was, that, that, that was really his role as an assistant when he was in San Antonio, when he yeah. was in Philadelphia, when he was in Brooklyn. Um, so absolutely, you know, make the finals first year as a coach. Um, and to do it, you know, after being below 500 at, at the halfway mark of the season, really, really, really impressive. Um, and he's, he's certainly, you know, in that elite tier of coaches that I think will be in the coach of the year conversation for years to come. And I, I give Marcus Smart a lot of credit here for redefining his role. He was a sixth pick in the draft out of Oklahoma State. Thought he was a scorer. Maybe he could be a scorer on other teams. But he, he stepped that aside and said, look, I'm going to be the best defensive player and I'm going to help offensively, but my role is to stop the other team's best guard. Yep. And, and they put him in the point guard role uh, on offense as well, which is not a position he had really played. Just when you look at the personnel that these Celtics teams have had last year, they had Isaiah Thomas, who played at an MVP level for a few years. They had Kyrie Irving, as we mentioned. They had Kemba Walker. And this year, one of the biggest adjustments that Brad Stevens, being an executive, and Udoka being the coach, did was basically clear out that starting point guard spot and say, hey, you know, here you go, Smart. Can you average six to eight assists a night, lock up defensively, and really facilitate you know, around the two stars in, in Tatum and Brown? And, uh, you know, credit to him, because like you said, he, he's got high draft pick pedigree, but he really, you know, stepped pretty seamlessly and selflessly into that role. And to me, that, along with uh, the defensive jump that they made in the second half of the season, uh, has been one of the primary drivers of their success. As I mentioned, Rob covers the Bulls. What's the uh, Zach Levine situation in Chicago right now? Uh, holding our breath, you know, and, uh, and, you know, waiting for free agency to open in July. Um, you know, I think if we had talked, Two months ago, I would have thought it was a pretty sure thing that Zach would be back uh, in Chicago next year. I still think that's the likely outcome, yeah. uh, but there is a lot of smoke about him, you know, going out, uh, surveying the free agent market, seeing what's out there for him. There, there aren't a ton of teams with, with cap space outright, but, the, you know, there are sign-and-trade scenarios um, for maybe a contending team that, that Zach might want to be uh, a part of. Um, the thing about the Bulls situation, though, they, they built this roster around him. They built it with input from him. You know, you look at the signings of, of a guy like DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Caruso, um, the trade for Vucevic, uh, you know, at the end of the 2020-21 season. Like, those things were all done to appease Zach and make him want to stick around long term. 
Um, so I think the, the Bulls certainly have confidence that they're going to be able to do that. I still think that's the most likely scenario, especially because they can go to a fifth year. They can pay him over $200 million, um, which, you know, perhaps this, you know, all the, all the noise about him potentially looking at other places is just to kind of ensure that he gets the maximum offer possible. Um, but certainly Bulls fans who have watched this team, you know, take steps forward in the last year uh, kind of have their, you know, breath held a little bit because if he were to leave, there's no way around it. It would be a setback for the, for the franchise, even if they were able to get something back in a sign and trade. It, it, it would be pretty hard to return fair value um, for a player of Zach's caliber. Let's say the Bulls re-sign Zach Levine. You got DeMar DeRozan, a healthy Lonzo Ball. What else would they need to uh, you know, contend for a conference final? Yeah, I'd like to see them add in the, in the front court uh, department. They have the 18th pick in this year's draft, and I, I think there will be guys available there that could potentially step into a rotation role. I would be encouraged if I was a Bulls fan by the fact that they found an instant rotation player, you know, with the 38th pick last year in Io DeSumo. Maybe they can follow that formula and find um, someone who could add, you know, add a little bit of size. And then they'll have, you know, nine or $10 million with a mid-level exception to play with um, in free agency. I, I just would really be looking at defensive-minded forwards, people, someone that could give you a little bit of size on the wing and also give you a little bit of defensive infrastructure. Because if you're, if you're star trio with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic, you're going to score. Like yeah. You're never going to have any trouble scoring. But what really got revealed when Lonzo and Caruso dealt with their injuries last year is that defensively they just did not have enough depth to compete with the, with the top level of the Eastern Conference. So I, I think that's the area they're really going to have to look to improve if they want to you know, make it out of the first round next year. January uh, coming up, Bulls and Pistons in Paris. You ready for that one? Hey, <laughs> that. That'll certainly be fun. Uh, not sure if I'll uh, be there in person. Oh, you gotta or not, go. But you gotta go. I, I'm gonna do my best. Uh, but yeah, it'll be. Um, what's What's really cool about that? It's. I think it's the Bulls' first time in Europe since '97. '97. Uh, yeah. So that's a cool thing, and it's also for the league. And this is something that's been talked about for the last year or two, as kind of you know, obviously the pandemic isn't over by any stretch. But as restrictions loosen and we kind of return to something close to normalcy, like this is one of the big things that Adam Silver has wanted to do uh, for the last you know, couple months is expand back in international markets, branch the league back out into you know, different continents. And uh, you know, what better brand to do that with than the Bulls, who you know, still, I would wager, have among the biggest international fan bases in the sport. Uh, if Rob Schaefer was GM or uh, front office for the New Orleans Pelicans, do you give Zion the extension? The max. I do. Um, I think that I think what we saw from him in his second year, making all NBA and, you know, being one of the most dominant interior scorers in the league since Shaq, it's too tantalizing for me to risk losing it. And I mean, look at what we saw from that team without him um, taking that Phoenix Suns team to six games really looks like they have a, a really interesting, fun, dynamic young core there. And, I, I want to see what Zion looks like with that team around him. I think they could really make some noise in the Western Conference this year, and there's a lot of room for them to grow. So, you know, that's a decision that could get me fired eventually. Exactly, but there's yeah. a there, there, there's a risk taking there's a risk taking element in 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 that game in the executive game. I, I think that's one I would take. Golden State in six is that your call? I say seven oh, okay, uh, because seven. I think that, I think they close it out on their uh, on their home court. Um, but I, it's going to be one of those down to the wire. I, I think back and forth series and. Hopefully a little bit more entertaining than Heat Celtics, which was kind of just, uh, you know, a rock fight uh, yes. for a lot of it. Rob, thank you as always. Uh, appreciate you coming on on short notice. Uh, continued success. And, uh, you know, enjoy your White Sox uh, if you can. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll do our best. Thanks, John. Thank you, Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. Always brings a lot to the table here. He says Golden State in seven. Here's the thing about this series. Golden State has won a road game in, I think it's 26 consecutive playoff series, which is unbelievable. Um, but the Celtics won seven road games in the playoffs so far this year, including three in Miami. So who wins that battle? I don't know if home court means anything in this particular matchup because Golden State has proven they can win on the road. Boston has proven they can win on the road. It's going to be and, – and Rob's right. It's going to be the best theater, the best theater. These should be fantastic basketball games. Now, we had some really bad games in the conference finals, whether you were watching Golden State against Dallas or or uh, Boston against Miami. We had some bad basketball games to watch, aesthetically speaking, just watching them. They were not good. But I expect this series to be fantastic. All right, we'll take a break. More to come. The match is on tonight. Um, are you going to watch? There is a, a new face, well, it's an old face, back on Madden, the video game that came out today. Also, uh, will the SEC have a new football format? A lot to get to, and we'll talk more about the Live Tour and the field for the first tournament going against the PGA Tour. All that and more, you're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment. The Eminem Cartage hotline open, 384-1450 to join in on the conversation. Thornton's text line open as well, 414-1450. Don't forget tomorrow, Movie Thursday. Get your uh, top three movies into me within the next, oh, 22 hours on the Thornton's text line, 414-1450. Top three basketball movies of all time. And uh, I'll tabulate the votes. I got a lot of votes already from a bunch of media members and former professional athletes and just buddies of mine that I sent this uh, question out to. So uh, we'll have the uh, the votes tallied up for tomorrow's show, Thursday, Movie Thursday. Tomorrow's topic, top three basketball movies of all time. What's number one? I think we know what number one is. So what's number two and number three? That might be the more interesting question. Are you tired of buying expensive sunglasses only to lose them, break them, or worse, you never even wear them because you don't want them to get dirty? Let me tell you about Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent American-owned company started right here in Kentucky. They're changing the way you wear sunglasses in the outdoors. Shady Rays sunglasses offer an industry-best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big brand price tag. It doesn't stop at the quality. Shady Rays offers the most insane warranty of all eyewear. Every pair is backed by lost and broken replacement. You lose them, you break them, day one, doesn't matter. They will send you a brand new pair. You can wear them with confidence wherever. Uh, golf course, lake, you know, you ever jump in the lake, you lose your glasses? Yeah, okay, they'll give you another pair. That's fine. Um, they also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. They've donated over 20 million meals to date. Look good in your shades, feel good. By making an impact, if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair, return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. And exclusively to our listeners, Shady Rays is offering 25% off 
So you can try them out, see what they're all about. Use the code BIGX at checkout for 25% off all adult shades. That's ShadyRays.com. Tell them I sent you. Won't matter. You still get a free pair if you lose yours. But tell them I sent you anyway. All right, uh, some news and notes here. John Madden, the Madden 22, I guess, Madden uh, 2022 game, the uh, star, the cover photo was announced today. Who's it going to be, right? Is it going to be Josh Allen? I think that was a popular pick. Patrick Mahomes, well, he's been on it before. Tom Brady, unretiring. Maybe Devontae Adams. Aaron Donald just won a Super Bowl. Cooper Cup. No, we're going old school here. John Madden will be on the cover of the Madden video game. There's your answer. I like it. You know, old school. I like anything old school. Speaking of old school, I watched a lot of the Reds and Red Sox last night. I talked about this on the air yesterday. Um, 47 years ago was the classic World Series between the Reds and Red Sox. You can't forget Fenway Park, Game 6, Carlton Fisk's home run off the foul pole to send it to a Game 7 that the Reds would win in Boston 4-3, to three late runs in that game to get the win uh, and, and cement themselves as the big red machine. Well, it was great last night. It wasn't gr- the best baseball. Louis Castillo pitched fantastic for the Reds. Cincinnati won it 2-1. to one. They had to hold off a ninth-inning rally by the Red Sox. Pretty good game, but both teams wore uniforms that reminded you that, I mean, they could have come from 1975. Cincinnati had the grays with Cincinnati across the chest. I mean, it could have just as much been Tony Perez out there as it was Joey Votto. Joey Votto, by the way, hit two balls off the top of the walls, one to right center, one to left center, the monster. Uh, they both didn't go out of the park by probably a combined foot. And he got two doubles out of it. And the Red Sox had their classic white home uniforms with Red Sox across the chest. I mean, it could have been a game from 50 years ago. It was fantastic to see. That's the old school stuff. Are you going to watch the match tonight? 6.30 TNT. It's uh, the match. I think Ernie Johnson may be covering it. I know Charles Barkley is going to be a – Part of the coverage here as well, but it is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, old school, against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, new school, in a, I think, 12-hole golf match. I don't know. Who picks 12? I guess it's based on TV time. But uh, 6.30 tonight from Vegas on TNT, Rodgers and Brady against Allen and Mahomes. Will you watch? I, I, I don't think I will. Maybe a little bit, but it just... Ah, you know, come on. If I want to watch bad golf, I'll go play golf, right? That's bad golf. I can play it. I don't have to watch it. Uh, so Rodgers and Brady against Allen and Mahomes. I'm going to take Rodgers and Brady tonight. First of all, they played more golf in their lives than these other two kids. That's for sure. And Brady is so competitive. We've seen him in this thing before with Peyton Manning as his partner or whoever. He is ultra competitive. Uh, And I think Brady Rogers, I think they win the match. There you go. All right, SEC football meetings are underway. They're talking about a new format. Greg Sankey, the commissioner, said uh, nothing's going to be finalized this week. But 
it is likely sooner that more than uh, more uh, likely than later that the SEC will go to no divisions, uh, fourteen teams, one division. Uh, whether they play eight or nine games, if they play eight, you will have one opponent every year and rotate the other seven throughout the years. If they go to nine a nine game format, you'll have three set opponents. Kentucky's would probably be Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Missouri, by the way, and rotate the other six opponents on a year-by-year basis. So no divisions. I think everybody's going to go to this. ACC is going to go to it. Um, Pretty soon we're just going to have a super league in college football that has broken away from the NCAA. Maybe maybe five years down the line, that's what we're going to have. All right, uh, I opened the show talking about the live – League opposite the PGA. Is this a USFL? Is that what this is? Because when the NFL, the USFL challenged the supremacy back in the 80s of the NFL, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. And I wonder if this uh, upstart Saudi Arabian money-backed league will go the way of the USFL. Now, it was very interesting this morning when I saw Dustin Johnson is in the field along with Sergio and Lee Westwood and Taylor Gooch and Kevin Nahn, Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter. Keep this in mind. The PGA put out a statement saying that all these guys that are playing this league are subject to PGA discipline. They are playing against the Canadian Open, which is the same weekend, the RBC Canadian Open. You know who who, uh, one of uh, his sponsors is RBC Bank? Is Dustin Johnson. Yikes. That's interesting. This field does not include Phil Mickelson, who got this whole thing started, uh, the whole blood boiling started with his comments a couple, a few months ago. But keep this in mind. The PGA does not have control of who plays in the Masters. The PGA does not have control of who plays in the Open Championship or the British Open, some might still call it. And the PGA does not have any, uh, any say in who play, they do have in the PGA Championship, but not in the U.S. Open. The USGA governs the U.S. Open. So three of the four majors are not affected. If you're Dustin Johnson and you go play and the PGA comes back and says, okay, you're no longer, you have a lifetime ban here. You can't play in PGA events anymore, including the PGA Championship. He can still play in World Golf Championships, which there are three or four of, and they are big time. He can still play in the uh, Open Championship across the pond, he can still play in the Masters, and he can still play in the U.S. Open. So I think if you're DJ, you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. I've won the Masters. I've won mul- uh, you know, multiple majors. I'm fine. The threat is more for the younger players. It's more for the younger players who have to grind it out on tour every week. I was surprised to see the name Taylor Gooch. He's a young player, a very talented player, and I was surprised to see him on the list of guys who are going to play in the first tournament in just outside of London. Um, I think it's next weekend. This story's going to uh, be one to follow. That's for sure. All right, movie Thursday tomorrow. Bats baseball tonight. They're back on the air at 7.05, 6.35 pregame against Gwinnett on the road. Talk to you tomorrow. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Act.